On today's show, we have Anis, the founder of Investin. We're going to discuss details about the project, funding, team, and token, along with any plans on the roadmap. Anis, let's start by giving us some background about yourself. My name is Anis. You can just go with Anas Abdul Khadir, uh, and I'm the CEO and founder at Investin. At Investin, what we're trying to build is a decentralized fund management protocol, which allows managers or traders alike to start their funds and accept investments in a non-custodial manner. That means it's like investors can just deposit their investments or can withdraw anytime as they like. And we have worked on the stop loss features as well. But coming to the background on how we came to it, uh, it sort of started from the high school. When I was in my high school, I used to read some articles on Flipboard and like I stumbled upon Bitcoin. And from there, I like went on to AdWords. There were some like uh, websites on which we had to click on some adverts and view them for five seconds or 10 seconds and we got some uh, stats for that. And through that, I just got into it and I was like, I'm making some money. And with that, uh, with that stats I had in my wallet and at that time I remember Bitcoin boomed to like $1,200 and I was like, dude, I made some money. And that kept me in the thing that what is this thing? And as we went far into after my, when I went to my college days and I said having some free time, I stumbled upon like Ethereum as well and I saw what Vitalik was doing and it was like cool the way smart contracts are built and we can basically put in some logic and just keep running in a non-custodial like uh, what do you say a non-custodial manner and it was like and sort of jumped out into it and started my fund and as I was running my fund I saw that there were some people who wanted to invest in my fund but they had this problem with trust and if I would run away with their money and all that and but I had some good relations with my investors and I ran a fund for like four years. And during that time, I did stumble upon Enzyme Finance and I looked on them and I was like, they do have some product, but they had some issues with their product and the user interface and the smart contracts were really bulky when I saw them. And I was like, okay, let's try to build something. And at that exact time, I saw Hayden Adam building Uniswap. And when I saw and I studied Uniswap, if you get time, you can check out the black paper that I wrote. And I was like, bit of concern with the AMA model because the way uh, AMA models are, they are not much uh, like uh, great in terms of making market or they have their issues. And I was like a bit of skeptic on it. And if you see, we started investing in March of 2020 and we were sort of looking on making something on a centralized order book limit system. And we sort of work, tried to work with Diversify, which have the decentralized exchange on stock there. And we tried to build on it, but it was kind of hard. And I was like, stumbling on like a dude AMMs are very inefficient and it sort of took some time. And at the end, when I saw the DeFi summer boom, I was like, dude, people are not even worrying if they want to, if, if it's inefficient or what, they just want to put in money. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's build on in Uniswap. And we just uh, worked around on Uniswap. And by the time I completed the build, the investment build with all the best gas efficient methods there were, uh, the cost of deploying the contracts was around like $15,000. And I was like, Dude, I am thinking to deploy this on Ethereum blockchain. Then how would my users react to it when they start coins or invest in it? And I like, I have to try. I have to go something, somewhere where people are like, it costs less. And there was there, there was Binance Smart Chain. And I like, okay, this is where the people are, and we are building this for people. It might not be decentralized, but we are trying to build something for people and getting them the taste of what smart contracts are and the power of smart contracts. So we sort of went on to BSE, and we were able to gather a good amount of volume there through our funds. And as as along we went on BSE, I stumbled upon Solana blockchain and the way Solana was built, it sort of clicked to me. And 
the way I, the, the concerns I had for the AMA model, all of that just went away because these guys were just using the basic uh, central limit order book system for running their exchanges or perpetual markets, which are very efficient if you go by the numbers and the cost of the Solana blockchain was pretty cheap and they were fast as well. And there was no front running part. The front running issue is very bad on Ethereum. And if you sort of have an order, sell order of, of around like $10 million or so, you are bound to have some front running issues with your order. So uh, all those concerns went by and we just started getting onto Solana. And it was a bit of uphill climb since I had my background in JavaScript or like Python based systems, which are like object oriented programming languages. And was like Solana was just space and everything was like system oriented language. And we took our time, but hopefully like we build our system well on Solana as well. And, and the team at Solana Foundation responded well back to us and they sort of handed us a grant and they said like, do come on to this blockchain and keep building what you're trying and just make something that can just put all the major DeFi protocols into, into one shape. Like at Invest in what we are trying to build is essentially one base layer, <clears throat> which basically allows managers to interact with all the protocols there are. Like uh, a sort of, there was a tweet by Synthetix CEO who said that the major DeFi protocols, they need not have a good like exposure in the market. Like there are millions of financial institutions that are running billions of dollars as we speak, but we don't hear their name, right? They are running their markets. So the major DeFi protocols would also be in that same manner and there will be one base layer upon it. And I think investing would be that base layer and the managers and the traders who have that skill to extract maximum value would come on to invest in and use those protocols to get the maximum benefit out of their capital and allow anyone to join them while they are doing it in an custodial model. So is the, the the grant from the Solana Foundation the only only uh, funding you guys have received, or did you guys raise other outside capital? Yeah, uh, we did an initial Dex offering on BSE as well, which was around like seventy thousand dollars. And like uh, like as recently laughing on this, like I might be among the few founders that still putting my own money to make this dream come true. <laughs> I do have some people reaching around, but what, what I'm trying to do is like, uh, would love to get some aggregated investors who are really in it for the DeFi, not for the competence and like just working out my way into the industry. So you guys are looking for more strategic partners moving forward. Exactly. Who are, who do have some good vision in DeFi and they think that the track five would be replaced by DeFi. So what, uh, currently, I guess, what's the size of your team that's heading up this project? Yeah. Uh, we have a team of five developers, uh, and it's sort of, divided between uh, BSE and Solana. And what I do is I look on both sides, like on the Rust side of development or on the Solana side of development. Yeah. So it's basically a team of five, very short team and very focused on what we are building. And do you guys, I guess, are you guys going to continue to run on both Solana and BSC? Or do you think it kind of depends on where the, the flow of users go to? Exactly. So the thing uh, with Innocent is like, what we're trying to build is, is a blockchain agnostic protocol. We we never know, we won't know which blockchain will be the winner or there will be any winner in the blockchain piece. What we have to do is keep an, eye, keep an open eye and keep an open to all opportunities there are and just keep searching for what what next is the greatest thing for in the field of blockchain. And right now we know, we believe it's Solana and we are on Solana. Yeah. Where are you guys located? Are you guys, you know, located at headquarters there or do you have a remote yeah. team? So we are basically from India and one of our founders is from UK and uh, we do work from an 
open office space and this like a like co-founding co-working space. And you mentioned doing a initial Dex offering, and that's for was that for the IVN token? Yes. Can you give us insights into what the purpose of the IVN token is? So basically, what we are trying to do is like make one make invest in as a protocol that is owned by the managers because the managers are the ones who's going to bring liquidity on IVN. So basically, right now, what we are thinking is to just whenever an investment comes into any fund, the protocol collects 1% of the management fee that is collected by the manager. And that is being, as we speak, stored in a vault, which basically would be open for staking and the managers who run the who run funds on investment can stake their IVN tokens into that staking contract and have the flow of money collected to the protocol directly to the managers. So basically it's a self, self-fulfilling cycle where managers will as we go, as we keep developing and keep going up, managers will keep owning more and more part of investing through airdrops. And these airdrops would be given only if a manager has a set performance in the market. Like right now, if you see the benchmark of crypto is seen through Bitcoin, right? So what we are doing is like, uh, if a manager performs like 50% of the Bitcoin performance, like if the Bitcoin performed 10% this month, the manager should have performed 5% of it, he will get an airdrop and they can, Stake that IVN tokens to collect the performance fee, the management fee that is being collected by the protocol, and sort of have this cycle going on where more managers come in to invest in, more funds are created, and more investments come in, and managers just keep on gaining from that. And they have their own platform for investments. And, yeah. and kind of repeat that you said you're kind of comparing the performance against Bitcoin. Yeah, the benchmark. That's the so benchmark. In, yeah, in order for managers to collect the protocol fee that is being staked in the staking contract, managers have to perform out, not, not outperform, just perform 50% of what Bitcoin is performing. Because like if you distribute the fee to all the managers, then it won't be, it won't do the trick. So what we are doing, we are looking for managers who are good in the markets and able to perform at least half of what Bitcoin does per month. People always ask, you know, if Bitcoin, why invest in the fund if Bitcoin's going to outperform? <laughs> yeah, you got my point. Yeah, I, I, I'll just say them that. Like, uh, if you saw what happened in June, May and June, Bitcoin went like from $60,000 to $38,000 and it was a cutoff of around 45%, right? So as managers, what you have to do is like have the least amount of losses and good amount of gains. Like it's, it's a middle point. It's not something where you try to outperform Bitcoin. It's just have meager performances as we go along the road and allow investors to partially withdraw their profits and keep the main amount with the fund. That's what we're aiming. And what are some of the, I guess, governance rights of the uh, the managers that are currently holding the IBM token? And you know, what is their role to vote on certain things yeah. that want to be implemented? Yeah, we're sort of working on the governance part. It's still work in progress and it's not live as we speak. So what we are trying to do is like uh, with IVN like managers can ask the DAO to whitelist certain tokens. Right now, we work on AMMs and exchanges, right? So we don't white, we don't allow managers to trade on all pairs because they can just make one new pair and just drain the funds, right? So we keep a whitelist on that, and managers can certainly vote on whitelisting certain tokens. They can vote on adding protocols onto invested. If I, I think I've missed this point, but I just wanted to say that the smart contract architecture that we're building at Investing is is very composable. Like we can integrate almost any DeFi protocol there is on the blockchain. And we are sort of working on that. If you speak on BSE, we have integrated PancakeSwap, WorldSwap like fully. Like you can farm tokens, you can swap tokens and you can earn K and you can even provide liquidity. We are, we are certainly on the point of integrating Alphacard to lend 
and build finance so that they can uh, aggregate the lending and the borrowing features as well. So sort of working on integrating as many protocols there are so that we become a base layer for any blockchain where fund managers can start their fund. Yeah, I didn't. Even, I, I didn't think about that before, but I guess whitelisting yeah. all the contracts and tokens. I mean, that basically, like you said, so a manager doesn't go in and create their own token and then swap and then drain the funds, right? Yeah, drain the funds. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> I guess I didn't even think about that before. You know, uh, but I guess that's really important. So, how do you kind of see that process moving forward in whitelisting that? Every you know, well, you just have the managers they'll propose a new a new token and then it'll go through the process. Yeah, that might be a problem as well. Like we can just sort of think uh, make a rule in the DAO that this this token should pass certain auditory or like have some certain audit confirmations from CERTIC or well-known auditors there are in the industry as well, not just voting base. Yeah. As I said, it's a work in progress and we are still working in the best way there is to safely transfer the protocol in the hands of managers who provide value to investors and look forward and doing AUM on the total funds. Well, from what you're seeing in the marketplace and all the discussion around kind of incentives for token holders what are some things that you see that you think will be successful and that you might also implement in, re- in addition to what you're doing that is the reason why we are not allowing everyone to vote it just the managers who trade on investing would have the call not everyone there is because these guys are going is going to use a platform and these guys would know what they want on the platform not every tom dick and harry would know what they want in investing and do they have to vote on it or do they have to collect fees on it like if you see, there are big, there are really huge projects like Uniswap and the holders, and they just allow every anyone to just put in the proposal. Because, but it doesn't make sense because not everyone knows the inner workings of an AMM or what are the good benefits of a proposal and how it would work out in the future. Because they are not essentially the main user. Like they are users, but they don't play the main role there. But at investing, what we see is like managers play a really central role because basically what we are trying to do is like it basically generates their own revenue as well like a source of revenue for managers right so they will really know what they want on the platform and sort of have the good say in whatever that is to be added or removed from the platform i mean i think that's great i think so you're so you're going to allow the uh, managers to be the front facing vote votes when it comes to yeah. all these proposals i think that's great exactly. you know i guess let's let's move on to kind of you know just you mentioned solana a lot have you guys been happy with that is that how you see yourself continuing moving forward exactly. the way Solana blockchain allows us as DApp developers to use the blockchain in a better manner. Like the way the blockchain is designed, it allows us to build really complex products and have the power of speed, first of all, and allows the transaction cost to be kept at bare minimum. What what Solana does is like the transaction costs are fixed. It doesn't happen on any blockchain, right? Like, you know you how much is, is going to cost today or tomorrow, like. That's a good deal of stuff. Uh, the way they have built this DEX called Serum based on the same system that is being run by centralized exchanges right now. If you see the model of Binance and if you see the model of Serum, it's almost same. And if the stuff at Solana scales at a higher pace, we can basically replace all the centralized exchanges by these decentralized exchanges that are built on C, like that are built on Solana. Be it perpetuals, futures, or like simple swap exchanges. We can just replace it. And as you were speaking earlier, like the regulatory part, it's going to go behind these guys like Binance. We know what happened with Bitmix in 2020. (laughs) And we do know what's going to happen with Binance as well. So sort of the futures market is the biggest market that we have in crypto, right? So this market needs to be protected and these markets have a really high potential to grow. They just need an environment that is free from 
bit of regulatory restrictions and so the blockchains provide this and so just to, yeah, and, yeah. And, and to clarify for everybody listening is that you know you got invested is, is building a protocol for people to be able to use and depending upon the different jurisdictions you guys have to kind of comply with the rules and where you reside is that correct yeah so what we can do on that is like we can just use their ip addresses like if they log in with certain area we can just ask them that this thing is not does not come into the regulatory compliance of your region you can just go out yeah that's that's the, that's the best thing we can do but if they have the vpn sources if they know how to use directly with blockchains it's it's out of our hands and we simply cannot say anything it, it, it only it comes to users right like if you like if you do something that is bad from that comes into your jurisdiction and you are a citizen of that country it goes on to you not on the protocol now currently does the manager have the ability to control like whitelisting of who actually comes into the fund not currently but we are working on adding that feature as well because we saw that some managers wanted to whitelist addresses from the, the investments that they wanted not all investments so we're going to add that feature as well so that would give the ability of a manager let's say he knows 10 people that they could come in his fund and nobody else yeah yeah, he can just sort of whitelist, whitelist the number of investors that addresses that can invest in his fund. And also, I mean, because you previously were doing work as an ETH, Ethereum developer, right? So yeah. kind of how does that transition to the Solana BSC? And was it easier or harder for developers? On BSC, it was just a similar part. You just have to change one URL and it was it. But on Solana, it was like getting from the scratch. And thankfully, we had some, I had some good co-founders who had really good background and uh, he had a good background in C and C++ and like, it was like, okay, Rust is there, we know how to do it and we just need to do a bit of, like as developers, once you know one language, you can just go around and build on any language. It just, it just takes some, some time to study and you can just build it. It just takes the guts to study. <laughs> so how do you guys, uh, I guess, from an auditing standpoint, you know, what, what is invest in, you know, have they gotten any audits done or is there anything in the roadmap for that? So on BSC, we have, we had the auditing done before our IGO and it was done by uh, auditing from called RD auditors. And, but on Solana, there is still, it's, it's pretty new environment in Solana. So there is not any established auditors there. It's just being peer reviewed by the protocols whom we have, we know they just peer review and we are just validating each other's approach to solving the problems. So when it comes to the custody of all the assets, can you kind of explain how that works for the managers and the LPs or the investors in the fund? It's sort of uh, when a manager interacts with investment protocol, he sort of builds one fund. This fund acts as a vault for the manager who can send instructions to that fund to specific to trade or to provide liquidity or to lend tokens. Then these specific instructions are coded right into the fund, basically, a manager would just be able to trade or like the way we have defined the fund manager would just able to be able to call those instructions only. And if he is able to make uh, achieve a set target of performance, he would be able to claim the performance fee on that. If not, then he's at loss and investors are lost as, as well. So what is the risk to all the investors beyond the performance of the manager have on regards to the funds and, you know, smart contract and how that's custody. In our time when we were uh, live on BSC, like, Two months ago, when we have, were hitting our peak TVS around like it was around 1.2 million or two million dollars, uh, we did have some funds that were having some heavy cash, and those funds were being called on. Like someone were trying to get in, and we were like checking on the explorer, like these guys are trying to get in, and they were not able to get in. That sort of held us, and they were the way they were trying to get in was truly 
innovative approach and it sort of made us think like okay these guys are well literate like they know what they are doing so that sort of stick us that okay what we have built is strong and we can work making it much secure so that sort of checked us on the security part of funds and uh, i would say it also depends on the protocols that we are adding as i said if we add alpaca if the alpaca finance guys have some breach and if a fund has investments in that uh, what we saw is we sort of put a disclaimer on that that guys if you are going to add this protocol to your fund uh, you better check that protocol that you have used your investors money to invest in it checks out for you yeah we sort of what we are thinking ourselves as like we are just a platform which enables people to exchange their offerings like there is traders and there is investors i would i would sort of see similar like the way uber does like uber allows anyone who's who's having their car they can just tap, uh, call the passengers and point them from destination a to destination b at invest in what we are doing like make one platform where managers could take their investors and give them some performance like from 10 to 20% per month and that's it so do, you, do you think that you'll need to offer any like i guess bounties uh, in the future just to kind of help with risk yeah we sort of planning on that as well like if you read the documentation we do have the line saying that if you find any uh, vulnerabilities on our protocol you can just dm us or email on our official email and you know with a couple of the other projects like enzyme out there <clears throat> and other people yeah. building similar type of projects i mean how are you guys looking to kind of distinguish yourself separately from them in 2020 what we worked on was heavily optimizing our smart contracts after seeing what enzyme had built it was sort of learning journey what they have built and we sort of tried to start from scratch the way investor is built is pretty different and the way we handle investments and the way trades are happen the way trades are handled is pretty different and we sort of were able to achieve 2 to 3x gas optimization levels than enzyme like if you invest in any of the funds at enzyme it will cost you around like 1 million guay guays the gas gas currency which we use in ethereum so it costs around 1 million guay and if you check it on ethereum right now it costs around like 15 to 20 dollars to invest in one fund and if you check out investin it will cost you around 250000 guay which is around 4x less than enzyme and it will cost you around $5 to invest in any of the investment fund because the way we have built it is pretty different from them and it's sort of we learned a lot from their implementation and made it much better and much cost effective and made it so much so composable that we are now able to integrate any of the defi protocols they are on on the blockchain right now i mean i guess it's one of the problems for transsoftware is how to uh, minimize or bring down the back office cost right so the gas fees doesn't really solve that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that does as the as the price of bnb also rises the cost sort of balances it out yeah that's as i said that's the issue on evm evm based uh, blockchains you sort of have, don't have any restrictions on the cost and if you compare that to solana you know the cost that is going to be is fixed and they're still working on bringing that cost down as well so can you kind of uh, comment on how you like the roadmap or maybe just plan on how to integrate with more of the other protocols to get yield essentially as i said what we are trying to do is like uh, integrate all the major defi protocols on any blockchain there is like if you are bending on solana if we know there are these are the major defi protocols what we'll do is like we'll integrate them and sort of build some good collaboration what what i see is like in crypto industry people call that they have partnership with certain protocols but at investment what i see is like we have on chain collaborations with protocols and we fully integrate any protocol that we have partners and 
and basically it's a win-win for both the protocols because if the volume comes at any protocol it just goes on to their protocol and with a base of wrapper protocol which just wraps all the ecosystem into one and gives them to any aspiring trader who can just leverage it out for their gains and use to access unlimited amount of capital to further enhance the game you think being on solana kind of kind of limits your access to some of these other protocols that are available like on ethereum no it's actually uh, as we speak it's being built on solana as well like most of the main protocols as we speak if it's a lending protocol if it's a leverage trading protocol if it's an what we say borrowing protocol it's all it's all being built and it's i would say the volumes have to come the volumes are still growing and it's, it's it's a growing environment there it's a learning curve for all so it's just a matter of time maybe maybe you're a little early on there but you're set up already go as everything's kind of being built out on solana i mean how about into more on like for the, the competitive side with enzyme i mean is there anything else uh features or anything else that you guys have are doing differently that you've seen maybe hasn't worked on on enzyme that you guys are yeah what, what i saw is that there is one important feature for like performance fee as, as you're talking about like uh, the way performance fees collected on enzyme and the performance fee collected on investor is pretty different because essentially what enzyme does is it, it pools the funds when an investor invests in the fund the, the investments are pooled and seen as one big chunk of money but at investing what we do is uh, like for example if you invest in, into any of the when you invest will uh, the protocol will give you a nft receipt which will have your amount that is invested into the fund and the performance at which you entered into the fund so sort of have the best way to track your investments and we sort of did this first in the industry like we use nfts as investment receipts and these receipts can be used to integrate investor stop loss like if you invest in any of the investment funds you can sort of put a maximum drawdown limit on it where you see your you want to get out of the fund like you can just put like i am risking around 20% and if the 20% mark hits from the time i have entered you can just put it into the smart contract and it will do the job for you and you will be out of the fund at minus 20%. This is one of the main features we have. And one more feature, what I'd say that with uh, these receipts, what we can do is like investors can get under collateralized loans with this investment as well. Like they can use these investors receipt, which is backed by some assets in the fund, right? They can use this uh, receipt and get some, get a leverage loan on their investments and go on and do some more trades. Like if you know your manager is going to perform 10%, Per month, they can just get on and get some more leverage in the crypto market and have some good exposure. And as I said, uh, the third point would be the cost of handling the product, like interacting with the protocol, is two x two to three x cheaper at every instruction. Like if you create fund, it's two hundred and fifty k. If you invest, it's two hundred and fifty k. And if you withdraw, it's around like four to five hundred k. But at Enzyme, it will be one million eight hundred k and something around one point two million for withdrawing as well. But at investment, it would be three to two to three times cheaper because the architecture is pretty different, and we sort of worked on it for like four to five months to jot it down pretty well. Because our first aim was to get on Ethereum and be the best, give the best competition to Enzyme. But as the things moved on, we saw that it's not necessary that you have to compete with any protocol. What you have to do is like you have to see what users want and how to reach. the largest section of users and that sort of pivoted us from not launching on ethereum and going on bsc and so on and most probably we'll, uh, we are aiming to launch on the latums on arbitrum so kind of explain if i get this correctly is that let's just say the fund has uh 10 positions equally weighted right 10% each and an investor comes in and puts $100,000 in does that automatically then add 
uh, pro rata to each position based on that $100,000 coming in to maintain 10% in everywhere? Does that automatically happen? What happens is, as I said, we generate receipts on every investment, right? So if an investor had invested when the fund was at 5% with $10,000, his receipt will say that the fund was at 10% and he invested $10,000. And if the second investor comes and the fund was, say, 15% and he had invested $100,000, the receipt would say that this guy invested at 15% performance and he was at $100,000. And when he withdraws, what we do is we check the performance, the difference in performances. Like if the fund was negative 5%, what we do is like he entered at 15%, right? So 15% minus 5, he's at a loss of minus 10% and basically give him $90,000. It's basic maths. Yeah, no, I understand that. So I guess what I'm saying is like if a new guy, if an investor puts capital in, does the contract yeah. all automatically add pro rata based on that manager's uh, set fund allocation automatically add to those positions? No, no, it, it doesn't do that. It doesn't do that. Okay. It just so, keeps it in the base token, in the stable coin and manage it. And uh, one more thing, it's different here. Whenever whenever there's an investment into a fund, it doesn't just go into the fund. It's it's held off on an auto contract and manager can sort of check that and transfer that to his vault. And when the funds are transferred, he would just see that, okay, this is was, this was invested in BUSD, which is a stable coin of Binance, and he can just use that. And it doesn't just uh, get allocated as when the fund is allocated. It doesn't go like that. Got it. So now I understand. And then in exchange for that investment, I believe you mentioned that the uh, investor gets a NFT <laughs> that represents yeah. his allocation. Yeah. That you see them being able to use that as collateral to get a loan. Exactly. And you can just use that receipt to... How build the investor stop loss feature as well. Interesting. So if, if I come in and invest $100,000 and I want to exit uh, when it gets double, I could set that right up front. Up, you can set that up. Well. Take profit and stop loss. Both good. That's good. Do you, I mean, is there any concerns around the regulatory framework, you know, across the globe that you guys got to be careful of or, you know, any workarounds or kind of, you know, can you kind of explain your position? As I said, invest in as a protocol, it's a decentralized protocol. It's good. It's it's going to run on blockchain. Like it doesn't need any interference from our side. We are just going to put our front ends, let's say the UI, and we can just sort of check the users based on their IP addresses from where they are coming, the jurisdiction they are coming, if they are from, from coming from the United States of America, and uh, they have this restriction on. It could be that like that the fund is handled by a person who's laundering money and all that, and they might have that problem. We can sort of just ask them that this protocol is not whitelisted in your jurisdictions and henceforth you are blocked from coming into it. But if, if they directly connect to the blockchain and use the Explorer, they can just go around that jurisdiction part and go about it, yeah. And as I said, the ownership of the protocol is going to be distributed among majority of the managers. It's not going to be held by developers. So it sort of gives us the benefit that no one can shut us down as well because it's going to be distributed among anonymous managers and investors who's holding IVN. IVN is the token which gives you ownership of the protocol because once you have the say on the protocol to whitelist tokens, either be whitelisting tokens or either be adding protocols, you basically, and collecting fees from the protocol, you basically have ownership on the protocol. And once you distribute the ownership of the protocol among X amount of users who are segregated around the world, then it basically just puts on like, you cannot stop us. It's just the <laughs> ethos of blockchain is like that. Like, it's, it's all open. The best thing I, I would say is like, Blockchain is the best thing to happen for the regulatory environment as well because he, he, uh, on blockchains, you cannot hide money. It's literally impossible to hide money unless you use, uh, this is I forgot the protocol, which launders all the tokens and give you anonymously the tokens that's on Ethereum. 
So unless you use that, blockchains are the best thing that has happened for regulating minds and like, they can just check out which wallet originated from where. And if the protocols inhabit, they can just link on the IP address and tell the regulatory departments that this guy logged in from here and he resides in this country. No, I agree so, there. I agree there. There's yeah. a lot, lot of noise from the uh, government saying how uh, how they can't track things and you know it's used for crimes, but it's really the opposite. Exactly. How will the project invest in the protocol, make money and allow to, to keep uh, paying the developers in the future? So as I said, on each investment into, the, in, into any of the funds, there is a fixed 2% management fee of which the protocol collects 1% fee upfront. And if, if a manager performs well, we sort of keep the kept the performance variable. Like managers can set any kind, any percentage of performance, like it variates from 5% to 60% performance. And if a manager sets that performance to his fund, whatever performance he collects, 10% of that amount is also collected by the protocol as well. And I just want to make sure that the fees that is collected by the protocol is just going to circle back and be distributed among managers. So it's sort of providing the stickiness around the protocol as we speak. And as you said, the developers part, for the starting part, what we are doing is like the revenue that is being collected is being split among managers and developers. Because right now, as we grow, the as, as we are growing right now, the important part is of developers. Like we are integrating stuff, we are upgrading the UI. And as we grow, it would lean on the manager side and the percentage of fee that is being collected would go, the major share would go to uh, what we say managers and a minor share would go to developers as we grow the TVL. Right now it's a 50-50% split. All the revenue that is being collected it goes 50% to managers and 50% to developers. And as the TVL grows, uh, there will be less reasons to have more developers on the team and more managers. There should be more managers on the protocol. So the fees would go more on, on a tire-based basis. It will just go down to the developer side and the managers will earn more fees. Got it. So as the, the TVL or the AUM uh, exponentially increases, the fees will actually, uh, the developing costs will go down over time. Therefore, the benefit will come back to the managers. Yeah. And we're sort of building ones, like sort of some percentage to burn tokens as well to just create that deflationary value around IGNF. You know, over the next year, kind of what are some notable things that you guys are working on from a roadmap standpoint that hasn't been released yet? <laughs> I was like, okay, right, okay, yeah. So I, I would say that as 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 we are working in DeFi protocols, things change rapidly. There's one thing that's happening, and you would know there's something new tomorrow. And it's sort of having a fixed roadmap is something that I would love to have. But right now, what what we are aiming is to have to integrate as many protocols onto investing, so that if there is any user who's on the blockchain. He just wants to have to come to investment to use all the protocols there are rather than having to go on one five five different interfaces he could also go on one interface and just interact with the protocols and access capital as along and like a sort of broad perspective what i would say is like just to be the go-to place like we know as the industry is growing people want to get some get some of their cash into crypto as well right like there is a lot of demand from the retail side a lot of demand from or we say the corporate side, and it's hard to inject money into like some any other tokens and have a track of that, right? So what I would say is like investing can be used as a platform where people who want to get some kind of exposure to crypto in a balanced manner or like sort of I'll say like balanced manner, they can just go on investing and choose pick any of the active funds there are and just to fulfill their 
inner ape of having some exposure to crypto they can just put in money into one fund it's similar to as i said like hedge funds and the way hedge funds work and the mutual fund industry works right if you want to have some exposure to the stock market and you are you don't want the all the gibberish news and you don't want to follow how the if the s&p 500 tanked or it skyrocketed you just want some decent gains for your stack cash you can just put into any of the funds and have some good exposure to crypto as well and sort of withdraw anytime you like yeah what i was thinking there is you know for the investor that has the exposure to the fund via the nft is that uh so he's actually if he comes into the fund let's say whatever he has usdc he's exchanging that for the this nft correct yeah that that represents a position in the fund and then when he when he exits he'll exchange that back the nft back for the for the usdc or whatever uh token at that time is that correct he won't exchange the nft the nft will just remain in his wallet the variables the data in the nft would be just deleted because the receipt just it's null and void receipt and he can use that same receipt to invest in any of the funds and the best part of nft as i said like uh, on the second investment it will cost even cheaper for the investor because he has a, already a blank sheet of receipt with him that need not be minted once again he can use the same receipt and just invest in a second fund at a cheaper cost yeah i guess from a, a tax standpoint you know is that is there you know is that looked at as buying and selling the nft or you know no no yeah. Is he, it's sort of like a bond, bond. Like you have some investment, and it's a long-term investment, and you know the the the. It's similar to having have an investment in an ETF or any mutual fund. I'd say to an ETF. And as long as you cash out, you won't be taxed. I I think I got it right, right? Yeah. As I long mean, as you haven't cashed out, you're not taxed. Yeah, and depending on jurisdiction, right? Everyone has different rules. But yeah, that's what I was thinking. So the the yeah, so the position doesn't actually track per se every underlying trade it attracts more like you said the etf or the bond or the the, the nft that represents yeah. the value i mean i guess you know as we're getting close to wrap up i mean any other things that you guys are working on to engage the community and kind of increase social awareness moving forward as a developer what uh, what we're doing is like, uh, it's sort of hard to get into that community management part and get that energy into the people to get along the protocol it's sort of working out on that space because as developers what we do is like build ship and work again so we're sort of trying to get into that field as well what essentially i believe is like it doesn't you don't have in crypto you don't have to work on building community it might be very different approach but what i believe is like if you have a product that is that works well and it's being it can be used very well it doesn't matter you know like if it's there and if you can use it then essentially you can just let the users flow in you don't have to it's have a different you, approach that i said yeah have you found out have you found that any uh certain parts of the world you know you're getting more users from there i'd say that is the united states like we do have the analytics parts and i'd say that the north side of the west side of things are like a lot of yeah. people coming from the west side yeah all right well let's wrap up with our last question that we ask and that's kind of you know how do you see the value and also the utility of its token continually rise with adoption over the next few years to come as i said as i said like uh, the the amount of managers that would use the protocol and the amount of capital they are able to bring on to platform for their own benefit is going to be directly proportional to what ivn has to go with as the tvl rises the more there is the fees collected and the more fees distributed among the managers and managers are more incentivized to bring 
capital and sort of suggest their own peers who have experience in trading to to the platform and to like we all are benefiting benefiting from like if you see there is this problem with amazon or uber they they say that their uh, the their users are contractors right they say that the drivers are contractors and there's sort of this problem between the cut that they receive from the customer right this sort of being problematic but uh, we saw we sort of saw thought about that and like let's don't do that part and just open up the reserves whatever the fund makes is just going to be distributed among the users of the protocol and sort of open the barriers up for adoption well i mean that's good so basically uh, more investors more more uh tvl aum and more managers will complete the ecosystem yeah. right yeah anything else you would like to leave off that we haven't covered that you'd like to tell our listeners i'll say just don't uh, yeah so i just say that uh, i saw this thing that many investors look sort of projects that are backed by big vcs or they sort of sort of have this affiliation thing going on like if, if this project is backed by someone it's going to be great and if this, if it's not backed by someone it is not it is not like that what you have to see is like if there is a team that is working on it and they are delivering day by day that is what sets you apart like if you see the major protocols that are on ethereum they weren't backed by any vcs as we see like if it's yearn if it's curve if it's what we say ton most of the protocols are not the big the big chunk of protocols that are in the market are not directly backed by vcs once they had that explosive growth then that the money came in so what what would say for the average viewer is like keep on hunting for the protocols that meager and small and have good developers not the protocols that have higher <laughs> backing because the backing should come after you have achieved a certain limit of uh, validation point not before it i agree there's there's a, there's a lot of stuff that's being built out there that people aren't aware of, and that's uh you know one of the reasons why we want to have people on the show here to get to know you guys um i appreciate uh coming out i mean what is the best way for anybody to check you guys out or get a hold of yourself yeah you can just join our discord and visit investin.pro and the, if you see the protocol's name is like invest and that's it <laughs> Anas, I appreciate uh, you know coming out today. I appreciate all your time. It was a pleasure to hear from you. Yeah, man. Same here, same here. Have a good day.